Hello and welcome to the Stuck Brain Podcast. All things mental health with a different approach. We look at the research, but we also discuss real life experience. Welcome back to the Stuck Brain Podcast. My name is Eric Osterlind. I am your host for the day. Today, we're talking to Dave Dubois. He's a psychedelic coach, integration coach, and a meditation teacher. Over the last eight to nine weeks, he's been helping me with my own meditation practice. Meditation can benefit almost everybody. It's important to me and it's important to mental health in general. So that's why we're going over this topic. Today is the last episode, episode eight of this eight-part series. If you want more information about Dave Dubois, please visit him at radicalbalance.net. With that being said, on to the next episode. Hey, good morning, Eric. How are you doing this week? Pretty good. I got to be honest. I'm sad and excited all at the same time because this is our last meditation episode. So I'm excited to be here, but I'm also sad because it's our last recorded one. Yeah, I, I feel the same. It's, uh, it's been an exciting journey. How's this last week been for you? It's been really good. So if, if you don't mind, I want to recap over the whole eight sessions of how meditation has affected me and the pros and cons and, and everything that I'm going through. I'd love to hear that. So first off, meditation, I believe, has been helpful for me. And this is why. I think it's brought me more present. Now, that's kind of my intention before I do meditation is to be more present. So I've been working on that. And this last week was pretty beneficial in the sense of the sound. You, you gave me three different exercises, sight, sound, and awareness. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of got stuck on the sound one and not in a bad way. I really enjoyed it, right? So I haven't experimented too much with the sight or the awareness. So we'll have to touch up, you know, later on down the road and I'll, I'll tell you about those. But as far as sound, that has helped me tremendously. And I'll, I'll show you why. I'm constantly working on being aware, right? Or being present. That's one of my defaults. I just, I'm always thinking about the future, you know, and worrying about the future or stuck in the past. So I know I need to become more present. And the sound one brought me more present. And I, I took that, that technique outside of the meditation experience. So I would go on walks and, you know, I'd hear a bird and I would just get stuck in the power of that sound. So the bird would make a sound. The sound waves move through the air. My eardrum picks it up, moves some bones in my brain, and I interpret it. I mean, that's amazing in itself just to think how sound works. And doing that activity would make me more present. And so I feel like it's definitely made me more present. And I'll, I'll give you another example. I hike weekly. I try to get out weekly, and I have a normal place where I hike. And I've been there like 10 times. I go hiking at, you know, at the same spot most of the time. And most of the time when I go, I do the 10 miles. It's a 10 mile hike and I have headphones in and, you know, I'm listening to podcasts and music and all that stuff and drowning out everything else and just hiking. This last couple of times I went with a friend of mine. My friend wants to get into hiking. So I said, you know, come on with me. And so I took him on this hike that I've been on multiple, multiple times. And I didn't have my headphones in. And we're hiking along, hiking along. And all of a sudden he goes, did you hear that? And I was like, what? And there was a beehive like two feet away 
from the path that I've been on. Now, it's not scary. The bees, I like bees. I'm not allergic. He's not allergic. So we're not scared. It's just all these bees and you can hear this humming. And it was so amazing because I've always walked with headphones in. I've never heard these. I never knew they were there. I just tuned out. And so the sound of the bees actually brought me present into the hike, right? It actually brought me present where I'm usually, when I'm hiking with music and podcasts, I'm thinking about future. Oh, I got to do this. I'm even sometimes hiking and writing my to-do list as I'm hiking, which is so not present, right? It's the opposite of everything that meditation has taught me. So I do want to play something for you. I actually, on that hike, I uh, recorded some stuff. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, here we go. Okay, I'm on my hike. And here, let's see if you can hear the bees. It, it was such a great experience. I love this story. And I love the fact of this experience and, and how it played out for you. And, you know, it's almost like the, the podcasts or the music would be kind of an external form and the inner dialogue and to-do lists would be an internal form. But, but in all cases, you're working with letting the naturally occurring soundscape around you bring you into the present and, and almost allow you to stay in the present or abide in the present moment because of its, you know, effortless way of arising as the natural sounds around you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really taught me the magic of sound. Like when you just think about how it's working and how we're feeling it, it, it brings me back to the present, which I think in, in turn is going to help with my anxiety and my depression. I really do. And I have to throw in there, especially because of the way you're describing your appreciation of the the com complex interactions that allow a moment of hearing to take place and how it happens in the, the bones in your skull and things like that. It's a really juicy area to start exploring what is inside you and what is outside you and where do those phenomena and boundaries begin and end because it's a it's a it's a really interesting thing to look into in the space of the experience you're describing yeah absolutely so that's a future direction uh kind of getting into uh you know what's called in sanskrit vipassana or in pali vipassana insight meditation where you actually start to take the experiences that you're having and the stable mind that you've developed to start to explore even further some of the implications and the meanings of what you're noticing and experiencing in meditation. That, that one is just a natural launching point. You sort of described a trailhead for that area of investigation right there. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. And I think that will work well with my personality because I like those. I mean, that was, to me, that was like an epiphany. Like, oh, I, I have headphones on and I'm in nature. <laughs> trying to get away from everything. And here I am doing my to-do list in nature. Like this makes no sense. Let's go over some of the things that I think are hard about meditation. Sure. The things that I see why people struggle with are kind of what we talked about. How do I start? So that was the hard struggle, which we got through. The other things that are hard about meditation is keeping it consistent, doing it every day, making it a habit. I also see where people sometimes fall off is that you don't really 
feel the benefit until downstream. So there's a lot of work that's involved to get there. I recommended, I mean, I want to recommend almost everybody try meditation because once you start going, you start getting the benefits from it. I mean, it's the same thing with exercise. Exercise, you know, we don't go to the gym once and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, it takes work and effort to get the benefits from it, but I think it's worth it. I also think, and I want to say this to all my listeners, the reason why I was so diligent about it, I've only missed one day in nine weeks. So sorry about that one day. <laughs> that was last week. Only one day in nine weeks. I have to say that's because of you. So I recommend everybody, if you can, get a coach, a guide, somebody, some mentor that you can reach out to. Because that's you kept me consistent, Dave. I have to say that. And you kept me excited about it and like, oh, this isn't working. And you kept me going. So that that's that's one of the things that I want to talk about is the importance of having a coach. I think that's really good, important advice. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't have been able to do it on myself. And I'm still going to keep going and I'm still going to touch base with you. And we'll probably meet off, off air several times to keep it going because I am seeing benefit from it. What would you like to say? The thing that that just makes me think of, I, which I mentioned early on, is just you may, it's normal to encounter obstacles or challenges in your meditation practice that could take weeks or months to figure out on your own, or more likely not at all. And it leads to you dropping the practice and walking away. And having the person there who has traversed this path and practiced with these techniques and experiences over and over again, they recognize where you're at. They recognize your experience. And, you know, when you think that what you're encountering is what's not supposed to be happening, they're often there to help you recognize why that's exactly the obstacle that that is the most potentially transformative that's right in front of you right now. So yeah, I, I just think that's great advice. Yeah, it's a godsend. It really has helped. It's kept me going. It's kept me motivated. What else have you noticed over these eight weeks and in, in the way that the practice has affected you? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, twofold. The main thing is, like I said earlier, the presence, being more present, right? That it feels like it has slightly enabled that or slightly encourage that. I could see how if I was practicing meditation for eight hours a day, I would be intensely more present. And actually there's research on that. And I found a great article and I'll see if I could put it on my site for the listeners. But it was basically showing that people that meditate, they had meditators that were meditating for two to three years, eight hours a day. So they were obviously yeah. on the extreme end. To call that the professional end of the spectrum. Thank you. That's better. That's a better way to say it. Professional end. It's not even close to extreme as far as the professionals go, but that is the professional end. <laughs> yeah, that is. Thank you for clarifying that because that, that did uh, not come out quite right. 30 years in a cave might be at the extreme end of things and, but, and well within the tradition. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the professional end. So it's definitely helped that way. The other thing, just in itself of saying, you know, I'm going to take some time for myself, that attitude, that mantra, that mindset of, yeah, you know, I need this. This is important. I'm going to take a few minutes, whether it's eight, 10, five, whatever, that mantra helps me grow as well. So I think those are the two ways that it's actually helped so far. Yeah, that, that really makes sense to me. If you think about preparing 
a space in which you're going to do work or work on a project to really pay attention to how it's set up and clean it and tend to it before you start. And also, if you think about stretching and warming up your body before you engage in a, in a particular activity, that those preparatory experiences really change the quality of what takes place after that. And just taking the time for yourself to check in with your mind, to check in with your emotions, which mm -hmm. there may be all sorts of compelling reasons to have not noticed or not checked in with what your body's feeling. To do that, especially early in the day, is always going to impact and affect the quality of your experience downstream. So I, I think that that is one of the, that's probably one of the more immediate benefits of meditation uh, that, that doesn't take even as weeks to add up. It's kind of the fruits of doing that are there in the moment in terms of turning towards yourself. Yeah, I would agree that that idea to nurture yourself and take your space really did come pretty quickly. Like this is important to me. I need to do this. Now, earlier we were talking about where do I go from here? Yeah, I think what's what feels exciting to me about the the foundational work that you and I have done together here is that going back to that surfboard analogy, you've really learned how to check in with your intention, how to check in with your posture, how to how to develop a practice, and then you got into the intricacies of working with the practice. What is focused attention? What is peripheral awareness? What is tightening and loosening and adjusting the ratios between those two to prolong the amount of time that you're able to focus on part of your experience? All of this and the gradual way that we've done it, starting with a small amount of time and increasing that only a little bit at a time, has given you a way of getting up and balanced on the surfboard of meditation where you now have all sorts of options in front of you. You're, you're really learning the fundamental pieces and moves of training the mind. And so now you could go in the direction of using meditation in service of working on healing, healing trauma, for example, or working with anxiety or depression, meditation is one of the most effective ways of starting to work with healing the mind and body in that particular way. And you could also head into the realm of strengthening the existing inherent qualities of your mind, like attentional focus, like open awareness, but also like empathy. There are all sorts of directions that don't even involve healing, but involve strengthening and deepening the inherent qualities of your mind that are available. You also have these areas of insight meditation that you could now go into having cultivated a bit of a focused mind, starting to work with thoughts, work with the content of thoughts, changing your perspective, changing your beliefs about things and about yourself and the experiences that that brings about, all the way up to starting to investigate the nature of your mind itself, 
the nature of experience and the nature of reality, meditating on things like impermanence, meditating on things like where you begin and end and where the outside world begins and ends, and starting to look into that with the focused mind that you have. All of those are now like an open field that you can head out into. You can kind of choose which of these paths or multiple paths you'd like to explore. And you've really, in you know, just about two months, put together the foundational work to do that. Yeah. And yeah, you think about it, two months, eight minutes, maybe 16 at most, because I would double it. That's pretty profound, the change that I've had. Amazing. It's an amazing amazingly small time investment given what it opens up for you. That's really true. Yeah. I mean, the main variable is consistency. That's what I would recommend to anybody that's right. listening to this. Five minutes, eight minutes, whatever, just do it every day. Yeah. The five or the eight minutes is is a lot easier than the getting to the meditation seat to begin those five or eight minutes. Mm -hmm. That's really, I think, through the, the first couple months, well, and beyond, a bigger challenge than what actually happens when you get there. Yeah, absolutely. So our listeners, where do they go? Where do they go if they need more help? If you're on this journey with me, where would you go? I mean, you can go to the Stuck Brain because I'm going to have a meditation tab on there for everybody. But Dave, where would you like them to go? I think that the, the, the best thing to do at this point would be really guided by the intention that you find you're checking in with each morning when you when you sit down to the meditation cushion why are you doing this why did you begin this practice what were you looking to discover or experience or explore through doing this practice and look for the next step and the next roads into that area I highly recommend that one of the best ways of doing that is meeting with a meditation teacher where you can describe what your foundational experiences have been like and discuss what that road forward looks like. Often meeting with a person who just works with people practicing meditation and has been doing this for a long time, they're going to have a, a really good sense of, of how you might be guided forward. And then the other part of that would be Read great books on meditation. There have been great books written in the English language on meditation for over 50 years now, and, and in other languages for far, far longer than that. And it's great that the United States and many people and organizations not-for-profit and for-profit have gotten interested in meditation and have started to generate content on meditation. But there are also people, kind of as we were talking about at the professional end of the spectrum, who have dedicated their lives to the study of the mind through meditation. And they've written about it extensively and helpfully. And I would recommend that an, another great way to go deeper is to start to read what are the people who have made meditation a central part of their life? What do they have to say about it and about the directions that you can go next? So if anybody was going to look at those books, the, do you have a list of those on your, on your site? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would love to include in the, in the show notes, a great list of 
books for people who are starting a meditation practice that I think are really accessible and really useful. I've got a short list and we can, we can put it in the notes. That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. So that's a good way. I mean, also, I just want to talk about having that third party there. You know, you, you were there for me. Sometimes we can't see our stuff because it's so in our face. It's right in front of us. And you're able to having that third party, they can easily say, Hey, do you see this? It's right there. Maybe we need to work through that. Like my first episode, you know, with the posture and feeling that, you know, I would slouch and feel that posture. And then I felt like I was getting old and everything. I didn't really realize that until you kind of pointed that out a little bit. Yeah. There's another one that almost is starting to feel comically old timey when I think about it, which is practicing with other people. Group practice is a really great way to build your meditation practice for a few reasons. There can be a little bit more of that external feeling of you've committed to going somewhere and doing something and sitting with a group of people. There is oftentimes some kind of formal structure or even some instruction at the beginning that can be very orienting and, and helpful each time you go to a group meditation. And then one of the great things that can happen in group meditation is when it's a few minutes in and you feel like giving up, you're embarrassed to get up and walk out of the room because you're around a bunch of other people. And then your ego is actually working in service of your meditation at that moment. And, and that's another one of the things that can be uh, advantageous about group practice. And then also, I really think a lot of my early experiences falling in love with meditation were just sitting around and chatting with other meditators after a meditation session about what that was like. I, I think often a certain group of us who were just really interested in, in the details and the technique and what are the great books that you're reading and what are the things that you're studying would just naturally find each other and start chatting and maybe go out and get coffee or lunch afterward. And that too really helped sustain a lot of my enthusiasm and interest in, in the early difficult or less enjoyable stages of learning meditation. So that, that's another one that, that you could look into. Find your local meditation center where people have been doing this for a while and go see what they're doing. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And then also you create a sense of community, which therefore is going to help your anxiety and depression as well, because we know community is super important and to find like-minded individuals. And, and oftentimes when you go to places like that, meditation centers, you may discover further opportunities for longer sitting sessions that, that don't necessarily require you to go off and commit to a whole meditation retreat. They're, they may have an all-day sit or an all-morning meditation session or something like that where you'd have the opportunity of experimenting with and seeing how longer sessions affect you. Is, is that a good idea? Are you, does that feel like something that's natural right now? Or are you pushing it by trying to, to go to a longer session like that? There's, you know, there's no harm in finding out. And oftentimes meditation centers will have a calendar where you can see upcoming events and may have longer opportunities to sit or study with some great visiting teacher who also has been practicing for a while and has some good teachings to share. Okay. Some great advice. Anything else you want to touch on? Cause this is our last episode of the series. So what, what else can we touch on? You know, a quotation just popped into my mind as you asked that. And I, I think maybe I'll 
leave things with this quote, which is, there is no state of mind that meditation cannot accommodate. It's the idea that no matter what is happening in your experience, no matter what are the contents of your consciousness, the awareness that allows you to experience and perceive the contents of those consciousnesses is not affected or stained or colored or impacted in any way by the contents of what's in your mind and body and experience. There is a part of you that is perpetually able to witness and to know. And that reality provides a really, really 360 degree opening to explore. And I think I would leave you with that, that invitation. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you for all the help you've done over the eight, nine weeks we've been together. I appreciate it. I've really enjoyed it. I, I look forward to future moments where we can come together, and continue to discuss practice. And, and if that would be helpful for listeners, we can hit the record button. Absolutely. I have a feeling I'll give you some updates in a month or two of where I'm at, because I think that will help others. That sounds great. And I, I wish you good luck with all your continuing practice and as well as everybody who's been listening and practicing along with us. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. And those of you that have taken time to leave reviews and contact us through Instagram, thank you. You can see the show notes at stuckbrainpodcast.com. You can also visit us on Instagram at stuckbrainpodcast, and you can leave what topics you want to hear next.